Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Breaking Bad. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks know what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games, but we also talk about other stuff like movies and TV. And what better time to talk about the seminal... 2008 to 2012 TV show Breaking Bad than in the midst of coronavirus where we are all quarantined and the only thing to do is watch Netflix. Yeah, no, I've got this weird thing (laughs) where, like, I'll be watching a show and, like, something will happen that's, like, you know, violates social distancing guidelines and I'll just, like, instinctively be like, oh, you shouldn't do that, right? (laughs) It's like, no, people being normal. Um, Yep, yep, (laughs) the new world we live in. But yeah, uh, you did you watch it as it was coming out? So I watched all of uh, season one, two, three, and then I watched season four. I started somewhere inside of season four, um, and then I watched season five as it you know like as it came out essentially. Yeah, and you have rewatched it for this podcast, correct? Yeah, and I rewatched it for the podcast front to back, which I did do once before this. Um, but I didn't, if a lot of the times when I do things like this, right, like I'll rewatch from the beginning. So for instance, like with BoJack Horseman, I have watched BoJack Horseman kind of like progressively more times. Cause I watched the first season. Then I watched the first season to get caught up for the second season. And then I watched the second season. Then I watched the first two seasons to get caught up for the third season. Then I watched the third season. Right. And so like over time, I watched the first season six times. I watched the second season five times, you know, like that kind of thing, but actually probably more than that. Cause or whatever, but that's not something I ever did with breaking bad with breaking bad bad it basically ended right as like we were exiting college and i all of a sudden had a lot of like free time because you know jobs don't have homework um and so uh it it was actually kind of a little bit of a trip going back to it because there's a lot of stuff in there that i had kind of forgotten about yeah um i'm also like so the the the, uh the part of the reason i ask about this too is because um i had some issues with some of the pacing in some of this, and we can go into that the details of that later. But some of our other friends, friends of the cast, Akshay and Monik, had watched it as it was coming out, and uh, Akshay in particular had mentioned that it felt much better week to week at the time. And it's interesting. Yeah, and they this... made decisions about season ends. Like I think both season four and season five had like these weird kind of mid-season breakpoints that you can actually okay. like sort of sense in the narrative, right? Um, and uh, and we'll talk about all that stuff, I guess, as 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 we get there. Yeah, and uh, uh, the only other thing to, to mention there is that like this is also really kind of at like if if I, if I recall the timing correctly, it's like right around when like Netflix and like bingeability of shows was like just about like becoming into the mainstream. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like uh, my my uh, I I took a fifth year to do a master's at college, and during that year, I binged all of Seinfeld, and that was the first time I'd ever really done that with a show. I think. Um, and it was like, uh, like, like, uh, doing it like that. And, uh, uh, and like right around that era, like, I think we got a little bit of earlier access to it. I don't know about you, but, uh, I, I used to, I used to torrent things, uh, but not in any way that exposed me legally. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that was like, I think the first salvos of being able to binge something right like other, other yeah, than it's yeah. like buying stuff on dvd but that was like not a typical way to consume stuff but netflix has kind of opened that up for everybody uh, yeah no and i remember at the time it was one of the it was a little bit like game of thrones where like you know the new episode would come out and you'd just be like 
oh my god like could can you imagine that such and such just happened in like you know last night's episode of breaking bad or whatever um and that's something that has sort of like waned a little bit as like the netflix model of drop it all sort of at once kind of took things over a bit i don't know i feel like we're going a little bit back and forth between like the two different kinds of like oh shit yeah, well, so I, I think it's harder for longer series, right? But, like, there was definitely the water cooler effect I noticed around Tiger King, right? Um, yeah, yeah, And maybe part of that was because everybody had the seven hours, but it's also only seven episodes, right? Like, you didn't Yeah, have and, seven... like, the fire Festival stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, that hot content now has to be a lot shorter so you can watch it all before everybody, you know, because somebody's going to have binged it all, right? And, like, you got to be, like, you know, it, 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 in a way kind of spacing it out. Make it so you only have to dedicate an hour to it each week rather than several. But that is all ancillary. Uh, let's get to the heart of Breaking Bad. Um, what, how, how do you want to start this off? I guess we should – well, so I, this is obvious. I'm sure everyone who is listening to this podcast that has now watched Breaking Bad understands that this is a very highly regarded, well-recommended show. Obviously, I recommend people watch the show. It's good. Um, from, like, a spoiler-free analysis of it. And I would actually endeavor to keep yourself as unspoiled as possible, uh, if that is possible, just given how much we know about, you know, Breaking Bad through that kind of cultural osmosis. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And then I guess otherwise there's just a spoiler warning, right? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, yeah, let, let this serve as your spoiler warning. Uh, if you have not uh, also seen as Bad. a point of clarity, uh, we did both watch El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, on Netflix, and we'll be talking about it probably at the end uh, of the of the cast. So if you haven't seen El Camino, there might be spoilers uh, for that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that's it. Did, did did you have any other any other warnings to get out there? I guess no. Uh, I think that's okay. So spoiler warning: three, two, one. Let's talk about it. I guess we should start in season one uh, okay. and like work through the like the episodes chron- chronologically. Did you have this? This is one of the first big breakpoints I feel in Breaking Bad is that season one got clipped, and the like the first couple of episodes of season two are really the season finale of season one. Do you know what I mean? I think this was around the writer's strike, which is why that is the case. Okay, that makes sense. Um. I, I so I, I because I watched all at once and that was at the beginning. I I w- w- what are the first couple episodes of what when do when does Tuco get get shot? So Tuco gets shot in the f- first couple of episodes in season two. I okay. think the first two episodes of season two. Okay, because because uh, that that feels like kind of like the end of the first arc to me. Uh, yeah, and so I yeah, would, I, I think that, that was intended to be the end of the first arc. Uh, but it wasn't solely on the basis of the writer's strike. Um, like when I look at the episode list, season one is only seven episodes and the end of season, uh, and the end of season one is where Tuco kills his own lieutenant and then tells the other guy to like bury him in the junkyard. And then into season two, um... It looks like the first, yeah, the first two episodes of season two are Walt and Jesse out at Tuco's uncle's ranch, and Hank runs into Tuco and they fight. Yeah, okay, that make that that makes sense. Um, yeah, so so I would say that I, that, that definitely feels about right. Like cause the death of Tuco definitely feels like the end of the first arc, even if it's like not quite aligned with the with the seasons. 
if that makes sense. Um, I de- I definitely felt that the first season felt like uh, uh, edgier Malcolm in the Middle, because um, uh, like Walt just feels kind of like he's being Hal um, in that same kind of like goofy dad way, because uh, he hasn't really done any of like the the like he he's, he's like on his way to being darker, but he isn't like quite there, right? Like the, the, this is shown through the most to me when he like goes to roll a joint with Jesse's weed and like he just like like fumbles with it for like a good like minute. And then, like, lights it on the stove. It's like, that's like a classic Malcolm in the... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in Malcolm in the Middle somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things about Breaking Bad is that it is funny. Um, in a way that, like, we don't think about these sorts of shows being... Like, these sorts of shows being funny. Um, but uh, but I also feel like the seasons are kind of defined around central decisions that Walt makes... Typically one decision, right, that Walt makes that is kind of, like, progressively worse. And that decision in season one, I think, is his decision to kill Crazy Eight. Uh... Because it's, like, the very first, like, murder or whatever. And it's also, by the way, the first instance of... And I love that. This is, this is, this is like, a Vince Gilligan staple, right? It is a character figuring something out in a clever way, right? They just happen to notice something is off. And then they kind of like work through the, the pieces of the puzzle and they figure out what like what went wrong kind of a thing. And with Crazy 8, that's the plate, right? Like he falls, the plate smacks, smashes to the ground and then he goes back upstairs before realizing, oh my god, he took a sliver of that plate and is going to fucking knife me with it or whatever. Um, and it is that realization from Walt and that decision from Crazy Eight that cements that Crazy Eight will die, uh, because otherwise Walt said that he was going to go get the key and let him out because he just couldn't bring himself to kill him. Yeah, and I I, I think that like I I don't know I don't know if you can characterize that as like a bad decision from Walt, which is I I think what you said right. Like I, I don't mean to misrepresent. No, no, yeah. So I mean bad in a moral like killing someone is evil in, sure. in that sort of sense right but it's a very reasonable decision right like, right you know yeah. the first one i actually have a couple of like bones to pick about breaking bad with this sort of thing um but like obviously walt basically would be signing his own death warrant and he recognizes this right if he lets crazy eight go so he in a certain sense doesn't have a choice right like he has to kill crazy eight or else he will die right but but i i, I think that's part of the the point right like the, the bad decision that walt makes is to cook meth and that just kind of starts to spiral out of control very quickly and sometimes that's because of his own stuff right like his desire to sell it quicker is what gets him involved with uh you know crazy eight in the first place um is what gets him involved with tuco is what gets him involved with gus is you know like his, his greed effectively and his pride oh yeah right? his pride and his ambition no absolutely that's like Honestly, that's one of the things that people miss about the show. Like, sometimes you will see people who give kind of Walt's own bad rationalization to others. Like, I'm like the – not the Break Bad subreddit. They're pretty good about this. But, like, sometimes you will see people talking about Breaking Bad and effectively kind of trying to, like, excuse Walt because there's, like, well, he did what he did because of his family, Right, which is explicitly is said, refuted in the last season. Which is ex- yeah, which is explicitly refuted in the last episode when Walt goes, "I did, I it, for did me, it for me." me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I liked it. I was good at it. Right, like you know. Um, so the 
But yeah, like, I think there, there there is a certain sort of like temptation, especially with a show like this, right? Because like even though Walter is evil, and we all know that he is taking this path towards evil or whatever, right. um, we are kind of forced to sympathize with him as the protagonist just by like the nature of framing. Um, and not not only that, but like you know the badness of his decisions, like the 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 evilness of his decisions isn't so high. Given that, like, if you take out the decisions that he has to make, right, like the non-decisions that, like, you know, otherwise lead to his death, right, like, um, they are, like, they're usually not so bad, right? Like, you know, being greedy is, you know, in, in some way bad, right? But, like, wanting to sell, like, it is not, like, an inherently an evil act to want to sell the product faster. But that leads to him having to to kill people. And it's only, I think, really until end of season four, season five, um, that he really starts making decisions that are that are like truly evil. Um, I oh, think. See, I disagree with that. I think one of the most evil decisions he makes is in season two when he lets Jane die. On my rewatch, I, this one really hit me in a way that I didn't expect kind of the first time. Something that on the rewatch I realized is that my first time through Breaking Bad, I really did sort of like sympathize with Walt more. Not really sympathize, but just like I wanted Walt to win in the way that you want all protagonists to kind of like win and succeed, right? And Jane was obviously sort of like stopping him in that. And so I didn't really question the that like that moment, but like – in season two, he basically just lets her die out of just personal convenience, which is just like, honestly, it is worse than the decisions he makes. Like, like in season four, Walt bombs a, mirth, a, a, a nursing home, essentially, right? Um, but, like, he's legitimately under very intense pressure, right? And so, in a way, I almost sympathize more with Walt poisoning a child and bombing a nursing home more so than I do with him standing over and letting Jane overdose. Okay. So I, I'm, so I might agree with you, but only because like the bombing of the nursing home didn't like it caused property damage, but it didn't like hurt. Yeah, it, only killed, Gus it only killed did. Gus, Tyrus and Hector. Yeah. And, and Hector was like a, a, you know, willing, right? Like um, the thing about Jane though, is like, I think part of the a mitigating factor there is like, he didn't have to take an active step, right? Like, I, I don't know if – I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. But it's like a very trolley problem-esque thing, right? Like, he, he fails – Oh, yeah, to, that makes sense. There's a difference in your ethics and my ethics. I mean – but, I mean, to, to be fair here though, right? Like, it, it's, it is a, a trolley where, like, one track is empty, right? So it's not so much, a, so much of a, a moral conundrum. But I think one of the mitigating factors is, like, it, at least it felt to me like he partially froze up. And, like, it is – it's not that I think it's good that he let her die. I think it's easier to kind of understand that, like, if you freeze up and you don't act, like, and the person dies because it's a time-limited thing, it's different, if that makes sense. Um, and not to say that I think it's I think it's good, but, like, it's, like, ultimately, the, 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 per, like, the person that killed Jane was Jane. Right. Or, I mean, arguably Jesse. Right. Like, you know, he, he brought her back to, to to stuff. Walt failed to prevent her from dying, which is evil, but a different shade of evil, if that makes I sense. I mean, so in a certain sense, yes. But also, I feel like, he, like, at the end of the day, he was responsible for her death. Right. Like, he could have helped her. He could have saved her. And he had that impulse. Right. 
he went to her and then stopped himself, which I think is like the the it, I don't know that that it read a lot different to me. I didn't read it as freezing up. I think his first instinct was I'm I need to help this person, and then he realized wait, if she dies, it solves all my problems. Sure. So and so he backs off. So. The the read I got on that was not was, uh, freezing up is probably a bad phrasing, but it's not like if she dies, it solves her problems. It's that if I help her, it potentially causes more problems. I didn't read that as like you know like Jesse continues to be like a shithead or whatever. I read it as like you know like you know what if she dies anyway? Then my fingerprint like like I, I I maybe I was reading too much into it, but I read a bunch of like doing this is imprudent because it like potentially implicates me. Um, and that's a problem. Okay, uh, yeah, I get that. That's um, which is I mean, you know, still I, I, evil. I, like but I said, it, yeah. I also think that like uh, th- this is part of my pro- problem with like season three and season four in a way. Like Gus is so powerful and so threatening that like everything Walt does in those seasons is a little bit more kind of like understandable. I guess I would yeah. say. Right. Um, just because like he is under such like tremendous strain. Now, I do want to counteract that a little bit because like at the very end of season four, it gets that bad. But Walt is the person who puts it down that path. One of my favorite moments of all time in the show is when Walt goes to the bar with Mike and he tries to convince Mike that because Gus knifed Victor that Mike should be on his side. Gus can't be trusted or whatever. And Mike is just like, Walter, please learn to take yes for an answer. You won. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, move on. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. <clears throat> and um, and he can't, he can't, right? He can't take that answer because Walt is an egomaniac. And unless he has that kind of, like, complete control over the situation, you know, he will eventually descend into this sort of self-destructive need to conquer yeah um honestly so so this is only tangentially related but like skylar is also just like that and i like because she's not the direct protagonist i think that's why you get a lot of skylar hate also because she like wants to kill jesse right but like she has these exact same traits it's like i need to meddle and i need to be in control where i have no business being right and uh it like it fucks with it fucks with Walt's plans, and they're like they are perfect for each other in their terribleness. Um, oh yeah, well yeah. I think one of the things about the show is that Walt is kind of he's like a multifaceted character, and all these different axes of his character are kind of reflected out in a lot of other people, and they're sort of like foils in a way, like. Gus's business like sort of like demeanor and control is sort of is sort of like Walt's own is he's like the embodiment of like Walt's kind of lust for power and control whereas like Mike Mike is kind of Walt but good right like Mike is kind of there to say if Walter truly wanted to help his family he would behave like Mike cuz Mike does truly want to help his family that is his that is his motivation I I, I, I also, I also I'm, I'm going to take issue with 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 describing Mike as good I mean relatively probably but he is also a hitman No right? I, yeah, sure sure I just mean like compared to Walter right? right like he he is he is Walt but who he is he is the Walt who truly believes that he can do this crime right and still help his family. Right. Um, and that, that is actually his end goal, right? Like, he's yeah. going and to... And I think... And by the way, this is also... The, I think the most evil act in all of Breaking Bad is Walt killing Mike. And oh, uh, hmm. I think that entirely comes down to 
Walt's essential, like, jealousy almost at realizing, do you know what I mean? That, like, that, like, Mike is doing it right and that he fucked everything up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, I know I, 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 I might believe that, like, poisoning Brock is, is worse. Oh, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. But, like, even that, like, it's just so hard because, like. Obviously, yeah. if he didn't poison Brock, he probably dies. He Gus kills him, right? Right, but like you know, like there's, there's like uh, I mean, the, the the thing about poisoning Brock is that like it's uh, it's kind of like a a half, um, step, right? Like it's it's like he or, or not a half measure. No, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is it, another one of my it, very favorite moments, by the way, in the entire show is the half measure speech that Mike gives Walter. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not a half step. It's 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 a implied step. So part one one of my bigger criticisms of the plot at the end of season four is it is very haha just as planned level that strains kind of credibility, right? Like he poisons Brock so that he can then convince Jesse that Gus poisoned Brock, um, and then kind of relies on like everything just kind of fall into place, right? To to like make this happen in this way, um. Uh, I mean, not not you know. Obviously, some of it wasn't planned, right? Like, the, I think the the Hector Salamanca thing was a uh, was a hail mary when he didn't go back to his car. Um, but like, like there is a part of me that doesn't like like the the decision to poison Brock is at least questionable, right? Like, you, you can at least be like, maybe there would have been another way to convince Jesse other than like you know poisoning a child. Um, and I you know, and kind of I guess the other side of that argument there too is that like. Walt knew he wouldn't kill Brock, right? Like, that he, like, he, um... Yeah, I mean, part of this is that, like, I'm probably, you know, ethically speaking, more consequentialist or, like, utilitarian, right? And so, like, at the end of the day, like, killing Mike does nothing. It doesn't even say... Walter does it to satiate his own ego, and it doesn't even do that. Because he immediately realizes what he's just done, and... Right, and then he could have solved it it some other way, yeah. It is purely... It is purely a murder that he commits out of, like, blind ego and ambition, and that's it. I think the other super evil moment, like, of Waltz is at the very end of, like, kind of the shootout, right? Like, the Ozymandias moment in the desert, when he (laughs) fingers Jesse under the car and condemns Jesse to that, like, you know, essentially torture and death. Um, as far as as far as Walt understands, and then he says that he watched Jane die just to make it that much more. Like the sole purpose in those moments was malice. He yeah. only wanted to cause Jesse intense amounts of pain, right? Yeah, so I think those are like the really big ones. Right? No, no, I, I I definitely agree with you. I think that that's like that's the uh, the the, uh, the the worst. The, the worst thing is, is, is leaving Jesse to – or is, is, is basically calling out the, the hit on Jesse. Um, what did he what – did, what, what, did, what did Jesse do that he called the hit on? I, I, I can't remember. Uh, was it Went the – Went to uh, – didn't Jesse go to his brothers? Uh, Jesse – oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, right. I completely but Walt didn't forget. know that that's where Jesse was. Right, just right, knew right. that Jesse figured it out that he had poisoned Brock. Right, 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 right. Of course. Um, oh, he. You know what it was? Is he went to like burn down the house? Yep. 
yep, yep. Um, ha, um, so like, but this I think brings up I think an interesting point is that like Walt is evil, but in some ways I, I almost want to describe him as like a lawful evil. It's because like he does clearly have like a code of ethics, right? Like he doesn't want to kill Hank, right? He doesn't want Hank to get killed because of him. He is like, you know, like he, he has a set of principles that like he, he pretty strictly adheres to. And like, like even like he, he cares about Jesse, right? Like he, he, he obviously like breaks and in a moment of rage hires the hit, but like he does save him at the end of, you know, at the end of, uh, at the end of the show by tackling him when he could have just let him die with everybody else. Right. Like, um, Although I think that in a lot of ways that last that the final episode was just kind of like Walt trying to make his peace and make amends. Um I thought he was like really cle- it was really clever about that too. Like uh like I feel like season 4 like season 2 to 4 Walt would have actually hired snipers to follow uh the rich couple um you know like reformed Walt um hires like the two idiots to to shine flashlights in the uh in the house which I thought was clever. Um I, I, yeah, I remember at the time being almost a little bit disappointed in the ending because, like, it wasn't, like, rote, but it was kind of just, like, expected a little bit, you know? I, um, I, I honestly But at the th- time, but now I just, I think it's very clean. It ties up all the loose ends very well, and I'm super happy with it. I think, I think like, it maybe should have happened over, like, maybe one or two more episodes, right? Because basically, like, he goes to New Hampshire and, like, comes back and he's, like, totally changed. And that's, like... And you don't actually even see that. You just kind of see, like... You see him go into New Hampshire as, you know, as as evil Walt. And then, like, when he comes back, he's good Walt. And you don't actually get to see any transformation there. I don't know if you really need it. It just felt kind of abrupt. Um, even, like, you know, there's in-story time, but on-screen time, there, it's not there. Um I also didn't watch any of the web minis. Did it, I don't know if I'm missing anything from from that. I don't know when those were timed. I just know that they exist. Um, uh, oh yeah, I also know that those exist, but I have never watched them. So uh, I just assume they are extraneous. Um, the so my, my my biggest hot take is that I think the show probably should have just ended um, with the shot on the poisonous plant at the end of season four. Um, like really? I, yeah. Like I thought, like and I, I thought the first half of season four was boring. I thought the first half of season five was pretty boring, um, and like you basically had to invent the entire kind of like plot for season five because like everything was like had like a clean arc up to Gus. But I think past Gus, it felt like you had to assemble and disassemble a villain in in the course of of the season, which I, I just I didn't find nearly as compelling as, as it didn't it didn't feel like it flowed as well. Um, See, I think I think season five is me- probably the best season. Originally, I would have said season three and season four because I remember liking the like the kind of cat and mouse of Walt and Gus or whatever. But now I think of those seasons as being a little bit weaker in the sense because it, it, in it's, in a certain sense the show is almost like too obsessed with the cat and mouse, right? And I'm a lot more interested in season five now because and the thing I love about it is that it shows Walt kind of achieve everything he's always wanted but like it is it is like the downfall at the same time do you know what i, I mean yeah like, so i i think my response to that so two two thoughts right first in the cat and mouse thing i think i think three and four are probably better but i think they're probably worse on a rewatch right like because you the cat and mouse i think is 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 a thing that is much more compelling when you don't know what's coming okay. right 
Um, and like that's oh, yeah. like the moment when Walt tells Jesse, like Jesse has his gun in Walt's face, right? And Walt tells Jesse that Gus is playing them. We didn't know about the point, po- like the poisoning of Brock, until the very, very end of the season, and we were watching all, and we were all watching that live, right? So like those moments played so well, but on a rewatch, they are a little bit weaker, right? It's kind of like contrived drama. I, I think that that's kind of like the the. The weakness of ultimate weakness of any kind of mystery media is once you know the solution, it's it's much less compelling to watch. Um, uh, but that being said, that like I think that I part of it to me is just season five feels kind of like like the the meaningful stuff in season five feels fairly compressed, right? Like I would have liked maybe like to see a little bit more time for, to see Walt on top actually. Um, and then, like, maybe, like, in a season six, see him fall. It just, it just felt like – it felt very kind of, like, up and down because we need to do put something on the end of this type of deal. Um, uh, just because, just because like, it, it – when you have, like, four seasons like, – like, even though Gus isn't in season one – um, I don't even know if he's in se- – I don't remember if he's in season two. But it's, like, the, it's, it's all he kind of – He's in season two. Because uh, in season two, Gus buys – they sell a bulk load to Gus, and then Walt quits. But then Jesse sells his own load to Gus later, um, because Gus is trying to get Walt so that he can teach Gale the formula. Yeah, um, right. Uh, but like, I, I felt like seasons one through four really flowed really well into each other, whereas season five, in a way, feels a bit tacked on to me. Um, uh, like maybe they could have ameliorated that by like having the corporation be a little bit more involved in season four, right? That way it felt like, you know, uh, uh, the woman and, uh, and like the overarching corporation, like didn't feel like, like it felt kind of tacked on to me. Um, but I feel like that, that could have like made it flow better. Um, maybe like hat, maybe like, uh, you know, have the, the, the kind of neo-Nazi show They are, they were neo-Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's have, pretty like I mean obviously a couple of them have like Nazi tattoos they're like white supremacy is like pretty minor but that is the uh, that's like the tie that gets them all the kills in prison right right because it's a white supremacy organization right 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 um, um, although I will say that even though I, I, I felt that like that last season stuff was ta- was ta- pretty tacked on I thought Todd was a weirdly compelling character. Oh, I love Todd. I think Todd is so fucking great. He is so much fun. I mean, it's funny because I was like, Todd is evil Jesse, right? Um, Which is part of what makes him so great. And I loved that he came back for like so much of El Camino. I could spend so much time just like watching Todd go through his sociopathic life. Yeah. um, (laughs) It's 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 like it's funny. I I comment to you on this though. He he is like noticeably fatter in in the movie. Um, you can you can tell the time has passed. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, what was was there something else? Oh yeah. So one thing I, I did want to point on is like you, you know you talk about how like people like over sympath like over idolize Walt in a way right like in the same way they kind of over idolize Warshak right. Yeah. Um, part of it to me that is so weird about this is that like. Warshak is at at the very least, even though he's a psychopath, he is kind of a badass, right? Like all these iconic lines that I've learned through the cultural 
osmosis, right? Like, you know, like say my name, you know, you're goddamn right or whatever. Like, I was like, oh, these are badass lines. And then when I watch him, like, Walt is such a fucking dork, right? Like, like he's, he's like, he's like, he's basically like, he reminds me kind of like a school shooter, right? Like, you know, like the, the angry nerd that's like, no, I am, I am powerful. I am my, like, it, it just feels so impotent, right? Like, it, it, he, really? he, like wow. he, he, it just, he like felt like an angry nerd to me. It's just like, so like, he, he didn't feel cool. He just felt like, uh, you know, like, like the guy you're forced to acknowledge is cool. Cause he has power over you type of deal. If that makes sense. Right. Like, like, like the, the classic dork, um, the classic like power hungry dork, I guess, right? Like, like zero cool in hackers. Um, is it zero cool? The villain in hackers. I forget what what that character's name is. Um, um, uh, but yeah, it's not it's not zero cool. It's gonna drive me crazy. Um, but what you, did did you think he like actually embodied embodied that 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 kind of like coolness? Do you think I'm off on that? Uh, I think those moments play straight, and I think that they are. Legit, like the part of it is, I don't know. Some of the moments don't like work for me as well as others. Like the famous one is like I am the one who knocks or whatever, um, where Walt is essentially casting himself as like the bad guy in the story that that Skyler is telling. Um, but the thing is, is that that doesn't re- like that is a lie that he's telling. Skyler, right? Like, it is true that, like, a business big enough to be listed on the NASDAQ would go belly up if he doesn't go to work or whatever. Um, but, like, he is not the danger. He is legitimately, uh, kind of, I, 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 I don't know how, but pretty powerless, uh, all things considered. But, like, the say my name moment works, I think, really well. Um, just, like, played straight, I guess. Uh, so, like, it's it's his i i guess because it's, it's like purely his ego right like that like like that that's what it, like you know like and that's why it feels so dorky to me right like like cool like you know really cool people don't need other people to tell them they're cool right like that's i guess why it plays dorky to me right like like a a truly cool person would know that they knew who he was and like leverage that he wouldn't like, you know, like he, it, like it's, it's the, the ego, like the ego maniacal aspect. Is it makes like, it, I get that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't need the, like the validation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah that's yeah. fair. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Like, honestly, like the coolest character in the show is probably Mike. Mike gets to do all the cool mm. shit, right? Like him shooting up Chow's warehouse thing, uh, which is in the, it's kind of like the plate thing, right? Just like watching people do small, interesting things to these musical montages is like, I love it. This is this is the bread and potatoes of what makes like all of the like Breaking Bad, El Camino stuff like like cool, um, and just like the little things, right? Like Mike puts his gun on the wall and moves it up and down based on where Chow tells him that the guy's head is or whatever, like. I don't know, that that stuff is great. I love Mike is pro- probably the reason I think killing Mike is so bad. To be honest, is because he is my favorite character. Um, though okay. I will stand by that, like you know, it is a kill that accomplishes absolutely nothing. Even though Walt only does it because he needs to satisfy his ego. Um, and uh, and so I do, I definitely do get what you mean when you know like when you say that like Walt Walt's sort of like demanding arrogance just kind of comes off as insecure in a way 
Yeah. I mean, but that, that's like his entire story, right? Like, um, we never get the details on what happened between him and Elliot. Um, but, like, Elliot is more than willing to just kind of, like, fix this, right? Like, and, like, pay for Walt and, like, his arrogance and his, like, perceived injustice, like, just, like, won't let him, won't let him, you know, accept that. Um, uh, by the way, for the people at home that were listening, the character I was thinking of from Hackers is The Plague. Um, uh, have you ever seen Hackers, buddy? Uh, a long time ago. I watched we should, it in college, I think. We should do an episode on Hackers at some point. I love that movie. But uh, anyway, um, uh, getting back to this, um, I think I think the, the, the thing that, like, hurt me the most was uh, the death of Hank. Uh, just because, like, I thought Hank was, like, a really excellent character, right? Like, he, like, hit the balance of, like, being flawed without being, like, you know, like, being a real character, right? Because, like, there's, uh, there's, like, maybe a couple of characters in here that are relatively flat. Like, you know, like, Saul Goodman, right? Like, Saul Goodman doesn't really have an arc so much, right? Like, oh, he's, yeah. just... he's just there to fill out certain, like, narrative tasks. Right, like he's 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 essentially like we we talk about this right like Deadpool works better as a background character, um, to like a, another main character. I feel like Saul Goodman fits into that. I'm interested to see Better Call Saul because uh, he is the main character in that, right? Absolutely, it's okay. him and Mike basically. Okay, so I'm I'm interested to see that because you know I'm I'm sure they can they can uh, pull that off, but um, but like he he he's definitely not that. Like Hank is like I think like. You know, holistically, Saul might be, like, the character I enjoy the most, but Hank is the best real character for – or my favorite real character is the better way to put that, right? Because he's, like – he's – he's, you know, he's got his flaws. He goes through his arc, right? Like, watching him deal with, like, kind of, like, the PTSD stuff I thought, like, was was was, was really good. Like, was really, really compelling. Um, and, like, watching him deal with his uh, – with his uh, – with, you know, like, recovering from his injury um, I thought was super compelling. Um, and then like him, him dying was just kind of like, was, was, uh, was, was heartbreaking, uh, you know? Yeah. The, my favorite thing about Hank is how good a detective he is. Um, like he constantly is sort of like making connections and catching things that like other people are missing. And, and one of the things, like one of the stories about Breaking Bad that I, that I think is great is that it's not just Walt, it's kind of everybody. Um, in a way, that are exceptional. Um, like, Mike and his guys, for instance, are, a, that's like a sort of exceptional, or like Mike's ability to, you know, be moving and, and like, do his hitman enforcer stuff, right? Like, that is him being exceptional. Jesse is just as good a meth cook as Walt is, right? Hank is an extremely talented detective and investigator, right? And is constantly, like, you know, catching things that other that other kind of, like, lesser policemen miss. And so, in a certain sense, like, I think a broader aspect of Breaking Bad is that it is a story about exceptional people all kind of, like, doing stuff. Yeah, yeah um, and Walt is an exceptional just, chemist, right? Like, yeah, and, and exa- exactly. Walt is an exceptional chemist. Honestly, one of my favorite things about Season 5, and what, one, one of the things that I think is important about Season 5, is that Todd can't replicate the blue meth super well. Because up until then, right, like, the only indications we have are that it is pretty replicatable, right? Like, Jesse can cook it uh, on his own. Gail says he really only needs a couple of cooks with Walt to really get to the bottom of it. Um, And then Todd, who works with Walt for, you know, months, he just can't, he just can't get it, 
uh, and he can't make it, he can't make it happen. Um, and the moment I like picked up on that, I was like, oh, that's like a very clever sort of thing. Like, honestly, in season, I think it's season two, when Walt tells Jesse that, you know, Jesse's meth was as good as his. Uh, I didn't believe it when when I was, like, watching at the time, right? And it was only given the context of, like, sort of Todd and Declan or whatever in season five that I realized, like, oh, shit, no, like, Jesse is legitimately special and good at this. Yeah, I, I think that maybe is a flaw, though. I feel like maybe that should have come before season five. Um, like, we, we see a little bit of it, right? Like, we see people being like, oh, it's like there's normal meth showing up with uh, blue dye. Um, they also don't. I don't think I've really come up with a satisfactory answer as to like why people care, right? Like it's like like people repeatedly make the point like we're selling meth to meth heads. They don't give a shit about purity, right? Like and no one ever really has a good answer other than like uh yes they do. And then it's like uh, I guess I guess that's true. Um but I don't know, it feels like it feels like we're told not shown. Not that that's like the worst uh the worst sin to to commit if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so something else I wanted to talk about, at least a little bit, um, is uh, Hector and the the cartel versus Gus storyline. I think this is another piece of why I liked season four so much um, when I had initially watched the show and now look back on it a little bit less, uh, a, a little bit less fondly. Uh, because I think that Hector and the and the cartel versus because like the cartel is a presence in Walt's life much more than Gus is because it it underlies Tuco you have the cousins um who show up and are just like intense badasses um you have uh kind of like Hector and this and this sort of like implied history and you get all of that history in season four which is like really great and really compelling but then Gus basically murders everybody and it kind of immediately drops off and at the time like I kind of missed it in a way because like it is so built into the into everything else, right? Um you you have Jesse and Mike across the border. Mike gets shot, right? Gus is poisoned. Jesse is getting Gus from one side of the border uh to the other and he's like super sick and super like fucked up and this is the vulnerability that Walter exploits. Um but in, in my rewatch, I actually found that in a we- like weirdly anticlimactic in a sense. And I think part of this is because like not to you know not to set anyone's expectation, but a lot of what goes into Better Call Saul is this relationship between uh, like the cartel and drug dealers on this side of the border. Um, like I said, it follows the the story follows Mike as a main character. Um, so they definitely like touch on you know Hector and the Salamancas and everything else. Um, but in the show, it happens, and then they basically like the cartel is just a complete non-factor for the rest of uh, for the rest of Breaking Bad, and that kind of sucks because basically for four seasons you have all of this drama between the cartel and Walt, and you know cartel and and Gus and Walt or whatever. But then it all goes away, and then Gus basic Gus basically kills the cartel, and then Walt kills Gus. And that's sort of like the empty hole that that season five sort of fills. Yeah, and, uh, and you know they had that whole like weird music video in the middle of season two. I mean, might have been in the beginning of season two, and like that that felt like it never really came to real fruition. Uh, like I guess like I guess like the cousins going after uh, Hank is part of it, but like up until this point, like none of the people involved like know like the the, the cartel doesn't know that Hank is is Walt's brother-in-law, at least as far as we know. 
And so, like, that whole, that whole, like, weird opening about how, like, the cartel is coming for Heisenberg never really seems to come true uh, in a real way. Um, yeah, and then um, – but I will say that I – but I think that they use that space in season five well. Like, like, like I said, the best shit about Breaking Bad is just, like, watching clever people be clever. Like, the train heist episode, did you like that episode? Because I think yeah. it's probably my favorite. I thought it was good. I don't know if it was my favorite, but it was. But it was. It was definitely fun. Uh, yeah, like uh, th- that stuff. I think is the stuff that I just found like most compelling. I do have a little bit of like quarrel about season five. Like something that I really wanted out of season five, um, especially because you kind of have like these diametric poles of Walt and Mike, um, and Mike is handling distribution and kind of muscle. Walt is handling production, uh, and then Jesse was like also a, a partner, but he didn't really like that role in a way that I thought was satisfying what I was hoping for and what I thought that they had set up was that Jesse was kind of both right because Jesse had spent all of season four you know like working as an enforcer with Mike because um, what because Gus kept pulling Jesse out of the lab and doing stuff for whatever um, and I was hoping that we would see a little bit more of that in Jesse and that really does materialize but only in El Camino um, and uh I don't know. That was that was like my one thing about season five. Uh, in in like hindsight, is that I wish Jesse had a better part to play early in in season five. Makes sense. Um. Uh. So do so. This is tangentially related. Do we ever find out like who Gus was? Is that like covered in Better Call Saul? Like it feels like it could be. Uh, they're they are constantly alluding to it. As of right now, we don't know. In, okay. Like, as of. Episode nine of season five, we we don't know, but there are always these like fucking hints. That was the most tantalizing shit, by the way, at the time when like you see the flashback where Max gets shot by Hector and uh, Eladio tells Gus, "The only reason you're not dead is because I know who you are." And she's like, "But who the fuck is he? I want to know so bad." <laughs> like he's uh, he's Pinochet, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. That would that would that would be a pull out of left field if he was like act like you know I'm sure it's going to be something related to the Chilean like either like like the Chilean regime or something like that. Well, no, um, I th- I think it might have something to do with that because that was one of the famous things Pinochet did is uh, uh, Chile was the cocaine exporter like this is before Colombia this is what made Colombia right uh, Chile was just full of of cocaine manufacturers or whatever who then sail up i mean thousands of miles of coastline that was like unpatrolled or whatever um but pinochet cracked down on it incredibly hard and he basically shut down the entire cocaine trade in uh in chile so it all went to colombia and that's where like pablo escobar picked it up and stuff like okay. that. i mean that's just that history um, yeah, yeah but i'm no, hoping it has something like to do with that because like i don't know I, I know that little tidbit of history and i'm just like come on give me this shit yeah no I, yeah I, I assume it had something to do with that, that revolution because like it, it, it makes sense right like uh um i, I what you, you, you we talked a little bit about uh skylar and marie and you called them a couple of karens what were the what were the moments not that i disagree with this by the way but like what were the moments that you thought they were particularly kareny um there was i mean like like the like the, the one that comes to mind is, of course, like Skyler getting herself out of Marie's shoplifting by just being like, "You, you, you held up a pregnant woman. I think I'm going, you know, like just like kind of like that kind of thing." But like even like, you know, like the 
incessant busybodying, right? The insistence on inserting herself into this and then like not wanting to deal with any of the consequences of that, right? Like it just screamed, like it screamed kind of like that, like level of entitlement that like, you know, that kind of like is, is the, uh, is the hallmark of, of, of a Karen, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's tough. One of the things that I think is tough about Skylar's character, um, especially sort of in season three, season four is where she is, uh, like constantly under this dread of do like this specter of doom, right? Where at any individual moment we would be looking at or seeing uh, the, I don't know, the downfall, I suppose, of um, of, of her family, right? right because right. she doesn't have a good window into Walt's doing. But I think one of the things is that we do have a good window as the audience, so we kind of know that she's like sort of overreacting so i think in the moment she's actually being incredibly fair uh in terms of you know what it is like what the danger to her and her kids lives are but we know because we have a better view into things that she is like kind of empirically wrong right i think i think part of what's frustrating about it isn't necessarily that her actions aren't reasonable given her level of it's not that like what like what she doesn't make sense is that she insists on like pushing like it would be more reasonable if she didn't know anything and she kind of was stumbling upon this stuff but she insists on getting herself involved enough but like not trusting walt to execute on the things he says he'll execute on right and like this oh, is what yeah, I, yeah. and this is this is the the, the the thing I mean by like they they're like perfect for each other right they're both like egomaniacs and control freaks and like the fact that they both can't control the other is like really driving them both crazy right like and obviously and like you can see this I think pretty clearly when Walt does gain the upper hand because Skyler is fucking despondent and she's like you know going out of her mind trying to do everything she can to like wrest back control from Walt essentially um, in like some ways that are like really like really kind of like intentionally kind of gross but like like understandable right like i can't wait for like i can't wait for the cancer to come back or whatever right like that's just like you know like that's like ugly but like understandable um uh you know it's funny i remember thinking at the time uh this is part of my like alignment with the protagonist thing in season five when walt tells hank that the cancer is back and that he'll be dead within a year and that like everything that hank is doing won't matter um I was, like, kind of on, like, Walt's side a little bit. I was like, Hank, come on, just let it go, man. Which was, like, this time I'm almost, like, horrified at myself in my memory, right? <laughs> as, like, as it was coming out or whatever. Because, like, I don't. I, th- I also think I have a better understanding of Hank's character this time around. Um, so from, from a utilitarian's perspective, right? Like, from a purely utilitarian perspective, I think that's actually the right move, right? Like, yeah, you can't... No, th- th- that, is actual, that is absolutely the case. But the thing is, the thing that Hank is driven towards, and this is what I had missed. He says it somewhere in season three. He tells this to Walt, where he talks about Popeye Doyle or whatever. And he's like, I just want to be the one to, like, put the cuffs on him or whatever. And he does in Ozymandias, right? Like, Hank legitimately, dead to rights, catches Walt, gets him in the handcuffs. And then... Uncle Jack shows up. I, I also think that like you're you're underselling something like a little bit of Hank, which is that like he is driven by like something akin to honor, right? Like he's he's driven by a sense of what's right. It doesn't matter that like arresting Walt is actually net negative on utility, right? Like he basically throws his own career away because like his brother got away from the, got away with this under his nose this entire time. 
Um, well, it's going to die anyway, as you know, and let's let's assume that everybody believes this to be true, right? Like that, like you know, well, it's going to die anyway. Um, you can't unshoot the people that Walt has has shot. You can't unsell the meth, right? Like, um, uh, like arresting Walt is the thing that needs to be done because justice must be done, and that's what Hank believes. Um, this so part of the thing I I really like about Hank is that like 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 the first kind of moments, right? He like. He's like kind of cast as a meathead, but then we're immediately shown that he's incredibly competent, as you pointed out, and uh, that he has like an incredible dedication to what you know to to, to justice, essentially, right? Like, yeah, he's he's probably the closest thing to like a paladin in the show, if that makes sense. Um, you know, you know, a wisecracking one, but like he he is kind of that. So, um, I, I think that like that's kind of like where the ethics, like like where where they're competing ethics rub up against each other, right? Like. Hank is dedicated to seeing justice done. Um, Walt is dedicated to like having his family be successful and like, you know, and with, with him at the head of it, right? Like him, him as like the kind of like, or like him as like uh, the enabler for that. And, you know, he reaches, he reaches beyond survival into like, you know, uh, you know, power, power grabbing, but like he is dedicated to, to the protection of that family unit, which does include Hank and Murray, right? Like, you know, I think, I think that like his, Willingness to call off Jack and just kind of like live with his consequences, I think at least indicates that um, Jack showing yeah. up is, is, is well. No, yeah. that's that's one of the things about the show that I I really appreciate. Like Walt is not a sociopath; he's not psychopathic, right? Um, in the way that like certain other kind of like characters might be or like be construed to be or whatever. Because like Walt is motivated by he, I think he is honestly and like earnestly motivated by his family. He's just kind of silently also very motivated by his ambition and his ego or whatever. And he does legitimately fundamentally care about his family, right? Even when Hank is on him and like people are talking about killing Hank, he absolutely refuses to even entertain the notion, right? All he needs to do is explain things, and that's it. And that's 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 all. That's it. He can he can just explain it away. He can solve these problems, uh, and it's like legitimately harrowing and terrible when Hank dies, right? Like this isn't he's he's not somebody that has like no connections, right? Like he cares deeply for these people. I mean, he cares deeply for Jesse, the, like. The the moment at the end of season three, the run moment, um, was like pretty huge at the time, and I remember thinking that it was one of the most well executed sort of like plot twists ever, and that was only ever conf- that was only confirmed in like the rewatch or whatever because you you immediately get Mike's speech of half measures and full measures, and Mike's talking about killing Jesse in that moment, but the full measure that Walt plays to is that jesse is worth protecting and is worth saving and he's gonna do exactly that and even deep into season five right when jesse comes into the house and sprays gasoline everywhere walt is convinced that he just needs to convince he just needs to talk to jesse and he'll figure it out he'll get he'll get there right um and that's like that's a compliment in a certain sense but it also just makes it all the more tragic right um I I think this plays a little bit into Walt's dorkiness, right? Like he's he's like, you know, like it, you know, un, like he's like like uber rational, right? Like if I can just like I think he has a speech about doing this with Skyler, right? Like if I can just explain it correctly, everybody will understand that I have clearly got the superior and most logical, yeah. you know, position. Um, 
and like and you know that really comes with ultimate failure point with hank right like you know hank looks at him and says you're the smartest person in the room or you're the smartest person i've ever known and you can't tell that he's made up his mind 10 minutes ago right like um uh which is kind of the ultimate failure of the like if i if i keep talking i can convince someone that like this is the right course of action um uh which i i I know i i i thought i so uh, you, you kind of gave your, your overall thoughts, and I, I think this is a good show, but I don't think it's the, my favorite show that I've ever watched, but uh, um, it was definitely worth the watch. Um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about El Camino, I yeah. guess, uh, in, the, in, in, our, in our closing moments. What I love about El Camino is that you can kind of clearly tell that, like, they've, they've kind of, like, let the, let the mask fall a little bit, where the thing that the writers behind Breaking Bad are kind of most interested in are the little things, right? Like, the details and the mechanics of, like, how things work. If something is there, who made it? Who built it? How did it get there? Kind of a thing. Um, and people figuring out these, like, little things. Uh, like, the montage of Jesse taking apart Todd's apartment because he knows he needs money. And uh, he he knows that there is money, like, somewhere in Todd's apartment. He just has to find it. Right, like that. That montage is kind of like the ethos I think of, like this writer's room, um, sort of like laid, sort of like laid bare. But I also appreciate that kind of like from a bigger thematic sense. Um, you know, the, this is the happy ending. He's the only person, Jesse, really, who gets a happy ending in, in Breaking Bad. Everybody else gets. Walt basically destroys everyone's life except for Jesse, who he gets. You know, to kind of he gets to start over. Um, and that is like a sweet sort of bittersweet sort of thing to kind of like end on compared to basically everybody else in the show. Yeah. Um, although I, I will say that like in, in the same vein that you've got kind of like the thing that the writer's team is like super good at, right, with the tearing down of the apartment. You've also got like the intentional kind of comedic subversion of that. Like Jesse's like, aha, I have outsmarted you, vacuum dealer. You wouldn't call the cops because of all of these reasons. And then the cops pull up, right? Like, which Oh, is, like, yeah, I love that. That was is, great. Yeah. It's like the perfect inversion of everything else, like because every other time on the show, right? Like that's like you know, whenever somebody does that, they're correct, right? Um, so just having the cop pull up is is is, is great. Um, uh, but yeah, um, the uh, I don't know, like the I thought El Camino was was a very good kind of uh, uh, kind of bow on the uh, on the end of the show, right? Like kind of wrapping up what, everything that's happened. You get to see, you know. I mean, you get to see everybody come back. Jane, Mike, Walt. Badger and Skinny Pete. Badger and Skinny Pete. What a hero. Yeah. Badger Oof. and Skinny Pete. My I, favorite I, detail, actually, of that is that you can tell that they just – Walt gave them both $10,000, right, for the laser yeah. pointers, right? And you can tell that they huh. just spent the $10,000 on those, like, like wacky, fancy chairs, chairs that they yeah. had. And they're like playing video games. I, I, I yeah, feel like play video games, and I was like, "That's fucking big mood, you guys." I, I feel like in like an alternate universe, like you and I could be Badger and Skinny Pete in that kind of like scenario, right? Like yeah, I know. yelling about the like Walt how- and Jesse in our lives. Honestly, one of the most jarring moments is when everything that Jesse has gone through in season like three and season four, and he like goes and talks to Badger and Skinny Pete again, and they're just like so beneath him. Right, like, because he's like hardcore now, you know. Right. Uh, he's running around. He's an enforcer with Mike. He keeps his hair super like short or whatever. Uh, and uh, boy, woof, that was uh, that was the time. Yeah, you know, it's as, as, as Skinny Pete says, you know, you're my hero and shit, right? Like, yeah. Um, 
why is it called El Camino? Right? Like, I know it's the car, but the car disappears pretty early in the movie. Do you know? No. I think okay. it's just, like, the good name, that, the best name that they had. Fair enough. Um, like, obviously, like, Jesse driving away in the El Camino uh, at the end of Breaking Bad is like was, like, an iconic sort of thing. Um, and, uh... And I guess that's yeah. I, but yeah, they they ditch it almost immediately. I mean, he also takes the ride with Todd. And by the way, Todd singing along to that like seventies romance ballad song is like one of the best moments in the show. Well, in like the Breaking Bad universe, I mean, where he's like, you know, and and fucking Jesse is in like the trunk or whatever with like the dead maid that Todd killed with his belt. And he's just, like, singing about, like, being in love or whatever. And I was just like, oh, my God, what a great – Oh, Todd you, is so great. You, you know, honestly, like, I'm, I'm like, the – that, that, that whole, like, thing was so shocking to me just because, like, I guess I, like, kind of expected, like, Todd to, like, do something terrible to Jesse, right? Like, you know, like, like – like there, there is this kind of trope where, like you know, like the neo Nazi is like secretly gay or whatever, right? Like, and uh-huh. I was expecting something like that, right? Like, because because Todd's like super nice to Jesse, but it's like he's no, he's just a sociopath, right? He's like, yeah, you might like some ice cream in his cage that I have put him in, right? Like, you know, like, um, honestly, Todd, ah, oh, he just wants to, he th- he legitimately thinks that he and Jesse are just like friends, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just like Todd, honey, come on. <laughs> And like when he shoots, he shoots the girl. Is like this is nothing personal, and like you, you can believe that, right? Like that seems completely accurate, right? Like you know. Yeah. Like... Oh, God. yeah. What a show! What a show! What a show! Yeah. What a show! I'm very excited for you to start Better Call Saul. I will say, Better Call Saul, I think is much better uh, than Breaking Bad. Um, not much better. It is just like better. Breaking Bad walked so better call Saul could run i guess is maybe a way that i would yeah. maybe a way that i would put it um, I, I i think i can see that i also think there's like uh a greater emphasis on like uh on accuracy in kind of modern tv shows like i, I think we said this i said this before but like um you said that legal legal has given better call Saul kind of like an a plus on like the legal stuff yeah i f- yeah. I, f- I feel like a, a chemist slash drug dealer would give breaking bad like a c minus at best on some of this stuff. Um, and I think that that's like, I mean, one, I, th- I think it's maybe a little bit easier to do with a legal show. Cause it's like whoever you're working with yeah, probably has think, a lawyer that you can be like lawyer. Yeah, and, and, and I also think that the plot hole dingers would ding breaking bad more for one of the things that I noticed this time around that I didn't even think about the first time. It's like, how the fuck did Walt poison, you know, like, we get this yeah. shot that tells us, oh, Walt is the one who poisoned Brock and set Jesse on this thing. Or it was like, how did that happen? You know, like, did Walt, like, walk up to to Brock and be like, hey, hey, little buddy, you want to fucking eat this flower or whatever? Yeah. It's like Walt meets Brock later, and there's, like, tension about that. But, like, but, like Brock doesn't, like, act like he recognizes him or anything. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, like, that's, like, the weird... Especially for a show that, like I said, is so detail-oriented, right? Like, another show that I've been watching that's very much in the same vein is Ozark, um, which is basically just Breaking Bad, except Jason Bateman instead of, uh, uh, fucking, God, Brian Cranston, and it's money laundering instead of chemistry, right? Um, 
but uh, but one of the things that makes that show that show kind of went the opposite direction of where like sort of the, the Better Call Saul sort of or like El Camino went, where El Camino drilled down into like the really nitty gritty details and was so much more interested in that stuff. Right? How does the not neo Nazi compound just have a meth lab with this like cable on it? Well, there was a welder, and they and that welder went there or whatever for like for some reason you know like and it really it it wants to answer all of these questions right and even better call Saul sort of has this piece of it as well right where better call Saul wants to answer and 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 drill into the details of some of the things that like underlie moments in breaking bad right um Ozark is the opposite. Ozark just wants to replicate the the sort of threat and the danger and the stakes, right? The stakes kind of wash away a little bit um, when it comes to alchemy. Like, the stakes are very small and very personal um, in terms of just, like, can Jesse get enough money to get to, you know, to, to give it to the vacuum guy to get out of here, right? Can, you know... Uh, uh, well, I won't say anything about Saul, but like uh, it's it's that it's that sort of thing. Whereas Ozark is like constantly dealing with, all right, here is the new Gus for Jason Bateman's Walt to be antagonist antagonistic with. Um, not to not to shit on Ozark, by the way, it's it's a fine show, um, but it is it is clear to me that like one group took point one way and the other group took point the other way. That's fair. Um, the thing that I, I did want to bring up before we, we close down on this, the, the one of the things that, like, I think this is another reason why I had a problem with season five is the idea that Walt would, like, leave the book with Gail, like, Gail's book around, like, in his bathroom just seemed, like, completely unbelievable to me. Um, like, that seemed, that just, that seemed like, you know, very kind of, like, Hank wanders into the bathroom and figures it out as, like, like, I feel like they could have done a better job of, like, seeding that because, it, 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 like... Walt is like so like is is not particularly sentimental. I don't think uh, maybe he is, but like that, that, like you know to have him leave it randomly in the bathroom for somebody to stumble across just seems like the type of thing that that Walt wouldn't take a risk with. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, that was just like a thing that really bothered me in the moment. And, and see, I, I actually like... do think that Walt would take that risk. I think that that's pretty in character for Walt because Walt is in a way sort of like flagrant with his money. You know, like, he doesn't just want to have it. He wants people to see it, in a way. Sure. Which is why he, like, buys the car for, like, Walter Jr. Um, and so I think that kind of, like, small-scale carelessness of Walt is sort of another manifestation of his pride. Um, yeah, maybe. I just, like, in particular, just kind of, like, leaving him in the bathroom seemed like a thing that I, like, like, even if, like, he, like, put it on the bookshelf and, like, Hank grabbed it or something, right? Yeah. Like I would believe that more than just like happening to be in the bathroom. So, so he accidentally read it while he was like taking a crap, right? Like, oh yeah. And so another thing is unrelated, but it reminded me of something else. Um, so another thing that I almost wanted to like ask you about is the interaction between Gail and uh, Gus at the beginning of season four. Do you remember that where like Gus goes to Gail's house? And like they talk or whatever, do you think that that is and that that represents Gus having a willingness to kill Walter the entire time that Walt he that he was only ever going to employ Walter for a small a short amount of time so that Walter could teach Gail, or do you think that Gus was actually kind of come around and just like let Walter be? 
that's another like small point that I think you could kind of argue with that either way. But I just want to like, what's your what's your thought process? Yeah, no, I I think that I think Gus probably would have let Walter be if he didn't cause him these other problems that he did. Um, especially if he had like let Gail stay on in the beginning. Um, yeah, that was one of the things that I thought was kind of uh, that I thought was kind of most interesting because my initial read was that at that moment in season four, I, I had this thought. I was like, "Oh, so Gus was going to kill Walt the entire time. Gus was never going to do a long term arrangement. He was just lying to Walt when he said that you know, like the deal will extend as far as Walt wants it to, or whatever." Um, but this time, I actually realized that there's pretty significant evidence that. Uh, Gus did feel that way. Gus let Walt fire Gale um, and bring on Jesse, which is like, you know, at the time it didn't really like trip up a flag, but like, obviously Gus is smarter than that um, and understands like the value of, of Gale. Uh, and he was very willing to sort of part with Gale and let Walt bring in, uh, and let Walt bring in Jesse. And I think that is recommend. And the, oh, and then the other thing is the way that Mike tells Walt, he tells Walt a couple of times, right? But it's that sort of like learn to take yes for an answer right before Walt kills Mike. Mike tells him like, if you just kept your head down and done your job, we would have all been fine, right? Everyone would be happy. There would be no problems, but you had to let your pride and your ego get in the way. Um, and I think that that is true, right? Uh, that, in season three, Walt was turning Gus on, like, in his favor, right? And then in season four, he was will Gus was willing to just kind of, like, take the loss and let it go. Uh, but Walt just kept pressing the issue because he, he wasn't in control and he didn't feel safe. Um, and it was all of that stuff, I thought, that, that was part, like, a, a pretty compelling piece of what underlies seasons three and season four right like in yeah. a way like like the the foil that gus represents is this foil of uh he's like business-like and he's professional but he doesn't have walt's ego and he doesn't have walt's ambition and he's willing to change his mind and come around on things which i think is really interesting yeah i, I mean i feel like that's like literally everybody but walt right because like i feel like gail's in that you know in that slot too right like i don't think gus wanted to re like always wanted to replace walt with gail um I think he would have been fine with, like, just letting Gail run. Like, because, like, th there's a point where, like, Gail's like, you know, I get, like, 96%, but this is 99 or whatever, right? Um, and, like, you know, I guess my read on that was that, like, having Gail around as a backup in case something happened to Walt, um, you know, would make a lot of sense, right? Like, if, if got, like, you know, I don't think Gus necessarily needed, to, like, planned on killing Walt, but if he did having Gale around makes that transition much easier, essentially. Um, uh, yeah, but, I also uh, thought... Oh, excuse me. Um, uh, so the one thing I will say, though, is that I do think that there's another person that shares Walt's pride, and I think it's Hank. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. It, no, it is, right. But, like, obviously, like, Hank's pride is sort of driven by that, like, desire to be the one to, like, put the cuffs on him or whatever. Um, but very clearly, right, like, Hank is incredibly driven by the same sort of ego 
Um, it's just that instead of where Walt Ego is sort of tied into this like criminal empire or whatever, because like the skill that he has is cooking meth. Uh, Hank's ego is in catching like bad guys or whatever. Um, yeah, this is this is kind of funny because like they're in like in in my, you know my line of work right like there's this idea of like there's there's uh there's programmers that go on to become managers and those that become just become high level individual contributors cuz like yeah, they're yeah. not great with people but they're really good at writing code and like it feels like that's kind of like Hanks like Hanks biggest issue right like he wants mm-hmm. to be the one he like he wants to be a super cop he doesn't want to be like a precinct head right um yeah. and that's kind of like why he's like he starts like he, he doesn't fall off the wagon but like you know when he's put in the in kind of like the leadership position he's like it's not his it's not what he really wants to be doing um but yeah i definitely agree with that um the only point being that like you know like a lab that was like gus mike gail jesse right like probably would have gone off without a hitch right because like none of them are like they're, they're all like very practical but like yeah waltz like waltz nuts and not only that but like he, he does get something for it right like, he does get that 99 percent. he does manage to kill gus right like he does manage to kind of like, you know, it's a Pyrrhic victory, but he wins in the end. Uh, so, you know, you know, and he does manage to get a bunch of money to, to his son. Mm-hmm. Um, Which not even Mike does. I mean, that's one of the, I think one of the yeah. biggest tragedies of the show is that all of, uh, that Kaylee Ermintron never sees any of it, right? Like all this stuff that Mike is sacrificing for. But I think all that stuff is sort of collateral damage for, I, like there's a lot of this, which is just kind of like things that people who would otherwise go on to do great things or whatever uh, are ruined because of Walter's, like indirectly because of like Walter's ego. Um, yeah. And it's like Kaylee Ermintrout's money. Uh, it's Gail's life, right? Um you know, it's all 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 of that stuff just kind of comes down to sort of like Walt's inability to to keep his head down and keep his ego in check and take yes for an answer. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so that's Breaking Bad, I guess. Uh, what uh, have you been up to all week? Tell me all about it. Uh, not a ton, to be honest. I uh, what did I do? I played some Warzone. I played some Stellaris with you, which was a good time. Uh, we'll be talking about that in a future episode, so we don't yeah. have to call it in here. Uh, I played some Gone Viral. Still a good game. Oh, really? I look, yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy it. Have so, you beaten you know. the champ yet? Have you gotten to no. Abacus? No, no, I have not. Um, Me neither, <coughs> and it's really funny because I'm not great at that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually end up dying somewhere in the third level um, just because, like, you know, like at some point, like I'll hit like some combination of mutations. That's like I like you know like the, like the fan the the fan on your back is like the one that always like screws with me the most, um, just because like you're constantly moving. It's like well, I'm gonna bump into things and that's gonna kill me at some point. Um, yeah, I think the most deaths I take is to spike balls. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, uh, but yeah, otherwise, did I, did I watch anything in particular? Uh, no, I've been watching some YouTube videos. So, um, this isn't a game that I can easily play, but I want to recommend. Um, so, uh, coming out of the super best friends, one of the best friends was, or is, was Wooly. Uh, Wooly has a channel called Wooly Versus, and he's playing a game with two of his other friends on his channel, Wooly Versus, called Dokapon Kingdom. It's basically like a board game, but like, the kind of like quirk and see is you can just dick everybody else over super hard. And it's like an RPG based game. And it's super entertaining to watch. So 
Um, I think he streams it, and uh, it's also like you can watch the VODs on YouTube, so I want to recommend that. Um, that's taken up a fair amount of my time, but otherwise, uh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay, well, there's big news yeah. in the Hearthstone world, and uh, did I talk about this? Demon Hunters are super broken <laughs> and were nerfed day one. They came out, and they completely just, like, wrecked everybody on the ladder, uh, and they took a, a pretty hefty nerf. And they are now up to uh, the top win rate again. They were originally at a 60% win rate, uh, which was obviously pretty ridiculous. Uh, And they're now up to the top win rate where the top two decks are Demon Hunter and a Control control Warlock deck that is good against Demon Hunter. Demon Hunters use a lot of demons, obviously, and Warlocks have the zero mana, destroy a demon, restore five health to your hero card, which is just like hard, fucking super hardcore counter tech. Um, but there's a bunch of other stuff. Warrior is in the dumpster. Last time I checked the win rate, it was 42%, and I wanted to fucking shoot myself. Uh, but we're plugging away with face with uh, with Weapon Warrior, Quest Warrior, even though it lost all of its good cards in the rotation, and I'm, uh, and I'm super fucking sad about it. But the interesting thing uh, that I wanted to talk a little bit about when it comes to this stuff is um, the way Demon Hunter, like the identity that they sort of built out for Demon Hunter uh, as, a, as a sort of like class... Uh, that people have been talking about as sort of just like it is this nexus of two good stuff to have in in a class. So here's sort of some of the class identity stuff that Demon Hunter has. One, it is good at drawing cards. Uh, one of the one of the strengths of Demon Hunter is that it will always be good at pick, drawing cards out of the deck. Kind of like Druid is also very good at this. In Hearthstone uh, is also very good at this. Mage is okay at this. Um, Warrior is okay at this. Uh, and other classes are like ex- Rogue is good at this. Other classes are explicitly bad. Hunter is bad at drawing cards, for instance. Uh, Paladin is bad at drawing cards. And um, and one of the things that sort of define aggro decks, like a face hunter deck, is that it doesn't have good card draw. So if you run it out of steam, you can run. You can beat it, right? Whereas the Demon Hunter cards, you are constantly drawing and constantly drawing and constantly drawing, and uh, eventually you get to this point where you just never you're just never out of ammunition. You always have uh, power in your hand, value in your hand, and there's just like not enough board wipes for you. Uh, the other thing is that they have pretty like aggressively statted minions. Most of their minions are heavier in attack than in than in health. Um, and they're pretty strong at just like smashing smashing face right one of the one of the big cards that they have is like a 10-6 that when it comes into play it is like asleep for two turns but then it wakes up it does a really powerful effect and then it's a giant 10-6 on the board that you have to deal with or like a 7-4 that when you play it in the correct way it deals four damage it's like a as sort of like a battle cry but a little bit more complicated than that that sort of thing um and if the idea is that this this sort of collection of traits right to be a very aggressive deck with like aggressive oh and the other thing it does is face is like is it gives us hero attack demon hunters the 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 hero power is one mana give your hero plus one attack this turn they have a ton of spells and like effects right that are give your hero one attack if your hero attack this turn do this that kind of uh that kind of a thing um so not only are they like a dealing damage to your face with big boards they're dealing damage to your face with their face essentially um and the idea is that like this sort of collection of like good things is allow 
allowing Demon Hunter to sort of like run over the meta and other uh, and other classes kind of like can't keep up with it. Um, which is an interesting sort of thought because I there has never really been a, a good example in Hearthstone's history of a very aggressive deck that's also good at drawing cards. The only real example of this is for a while there was a really aggressive Paladin deck that used a card called Divine Favor. Um, Divine Favor says draw cards uh, equal to the dis- like the difference between you and your opponent. You just draw cards so that your cards in hand are equal to your opponent's cards in hand. And so if you're playing a really low-to-the-ground aggressive deck and you empty your whole hand, you can play Divine Favor and just like draw a new fistful of uh, ammo. Um, and they Hall of Famed that card because it was too good. So, I don't know. That's just, that's like the update on the Hearthstone meta, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I haven't played any of it, so I don't really have any super, super deep thoughts. It just seems like if, you know, it seems like Hunter doesn't have strong draw for a reason, and that's because it's a very facey, aggro character. And it seems like Demon Hunter has both the the power and like the ability to hit face really powerful, you know, like the, the ability to, to draw ammo, as you put it, the ability to hit face really hard. So it seems like, like that like seems on face, uh, like it would be kind of overpowered, but you know, I'm not deep. I, I, I don't know nearly enough about Hearthstone to like, fair enough. Fair enough. To really uh, offer so the other stuff that has been cool is, um, the Shadowlands alpha, has hit the servers, so we're getting all this like neat look into into Shadowlands, uh, into Shadowlands like stuff. One of the big mechanics around Shadowlands is called covenants. The idea is that there are four uh, there are four zones, and they they're each kind of like ruled by a different faction, and the factions kind of represent a different piece in sort of like the infinite like Azerothian afterlife. Uh, so there's Bastion, which kind of is like angels, and it's where like if you're a good if you're a good boy who followed if you're lawful good you go to Bastion. There's Ardenweald, which is uh, like the nature place, and it's where like if you're a demigod that dies and gets resurrected as like the wild gods do, kind of like in Emerald Dream Druidic sort of sense all the time in Azeroth, you go to like Ardenweald. Maldraxxus is um, the it's the zone where the Scourge sort of comes from. Uh, it's like the army of the Shadowlands. Uh, specifically, it is where fighters go, right? Like, if you're a tenacious fighter and you just want to fight and you just want to fight people all day, that's like you go to Maldraxxus. And the last one is Revendreth, which is everybody calls it Castlevania because uh, it's run by vampires, basically. And it's where, like, the prideful go to, like, learn the that to like become better people and like earn their redemption or sort of whatever and one of the pieces of the game is that uh the the player chooses one of the four covenants to go with and each of the covenants has like big gameplay effects right they'll give you different passives and bonuses um and more importantly they will give you an ability right so for instance for warriors if you choose to go to revendreth you get an ability called Condemn, which powers up your Execute by a lot and makes your Execute that much more effective. Um, If you choose to go to Bastion, you get this thing called Spear of Bastion, and it lets you throw a spear out 
that like does a bunch of damage and is a big like AOE kind of like cooldown. Um, if you go to Maldraxxus, you can get a war banner where you give yourself a big buff and then you plant the banner in the ground and you give all your allies in like a certain radius a buff or sort of whatever. And the community uh, reacted predictably because they hate everything Blizzard ever does by saying that it's impossible to balance these and there's going to be a mathematically correct answer, right? If you are a warrior, you're going to want to get the... Not, not going to lie, that that kind of was my immediate reaction, is like, if you're hardcore, you're going to have to pick the right one. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be wasting DPS or whatever, right? Like, like that is, that is like, as you said, that's incredibly predictable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and the counter-argument that is made by uh, the... Uh, that's made by the devs is that the uh, like the covenants represent so much stuff that it's kind of impossible to just boil them down to dps right uh the covenants also give you out of combat abilities for instance so like if you choose to do, go to the arden wheel no matter what class you are you get an ability to turn into a box uh that has like a step you're, you're basically a stealthed mount for about 10 seconds and that's not really useful like in a raid scenario but it's really useful if you're like out in the world or whatever um and for instance bastion you can summon a, like a guy that will be a shop for you and so if you need to get repairs out in the middle of the world or something you can just summon your dude he shows up you sell all your trash to him repair and you're good sort of thing um and so, like, there are decisions like that that are kind of, like, non-combat decisions. And then there's also the soul binds, which is kind of like a talent tree. Uh, one of the things that you can do in Shadowlands is bind yourself to different, uh, like, different people inside of those realms. Uh, we think these people might be, like, big heroes of Azeroth, like Uther or, like, Kael'thas or whatever, but we don't actually know um, who isn't, isn't on, like, the, the soul bind trees. But they're effectively talent trees that will give you, you know, passive buffs to things that you that you do. And so the idea is that when you combine all of those pieces together, you really should make a more holistic choice about what, what covenant you want to do than just which one is going to give me the fattest deeps on my sim simcraft uh yeah but that's like not going to be the case like as as <laughs> like as, so. i mean as much as much as i like, like agree with the kind of the concept right like you know for 99 percent of players the correct decision is going to be to pick the one that you like the best um but for like like you know the kind of like real competitive end game of wow is rating right it's not really pvp and so the people who care about this kind of thing are going to pick the ta- like pick the thing that that does the best thing for their raid and you know maybe that's mm-hmm. not dps and like maybe there's some specific set of talents that overrides the ability but like there's that is going to be solvable and it's going to be solved and the people who care about the stuff are also tend to be the loudest and so they will whine about the fact they don't really have a choice um and like <laughs> i am I don't want to say I'm sympathetic, but, like, I I guess I get it, right? Like, there's going to be a right answer just because, like, it's going to be nearly impossible, especially when you're, like, playing at that level. The th- like, I guess I'm more sympathetic. Hmm, I guess so. Let me put it this way. If you're the type of player that's solely concerned about end rate DPS, then, then, it's, then I think it's, like, fine like maybe you shouldn't whine because like that's what you want to do anyway like you want to choose the thing that makes you the best so why would you care 
Um, the people I don't have sympathy for are the people who aren't like that, but but like feel but like think they have to because someone on the internet told them to, right? Like, you know, not to disparage you guys, but like it doesn't matter what but what your your you know your guild my old guild chooses for their talents because they're not rating at like the super hyper you know mythic race level unless I miss something since I've been gone. Um, but at that point, those people shouldn't feel compelled to choose something for best deeps because it doesn't matter, right? Like, you know, yeah. Um, you guys will eventually clear it. And it's not like whether or not you choose like the execute buff or the spear that's going to like make that difference, right? Like, t- tell me if I'm off here, but like that, that seems so. Uh, I do see where you're coming from. And uh, well, so actually, uh, kind of an interesting sidebar or like tangent that's like it's a little bit related to this. I saw some tweets last night from uh. Monte Cristo, who I still follow on Twitter, even though I basically don't really care uh, about at all because he doesn't do stuff that I like interact with um, anymore. Yeah, but so something uh, that he uh, talked about last night, he something he tweeted is um, Riot is really killing it with zero lore for Valorant, their new sort of CS:GO type game. Here's hoping they never add it. And he got a bunch of people who were really mad about this, and he kind of followed up on that. And he said, uh, I think lore is unnecessary and detracts from competitive games. Uh, he said, it interferes with game designs when dev have lore ideas that affect competitive development. Do you like, for, and the, the example he brought up is when they removed Gangplank for like lore reasons, because Gangplank was getting like an update or whatever. And he's talked about how they're redesigning Fiddlesticks around his lore and they're going to do it again with Volivare like very, very soon uh, for like League of Legends. As a sort of outgrowth of the competitive people are going to do the competitive thing and they don't really give a shit about anything else. Do you think that Monte Cristo is correct? Right? Like, is that the correct viewpoint to, to kind of have when it comes to this stuff? Uh, I think it's a little over the top. Like, you can also just kind of, like, not care about, like, like you can, like, you can write it in such a way that, like, the lore follows the mechanics, right? Like, like, I don't think it's necessary that you have no lore. Um, I don't think it's necessary, like... I don't think it's necessary that you have lore. I, th- I think it's, it's got this weird effect, though, right? Because, like, Overwatch, which I think is the, the, the most direct comparison to Valorant, um, is, like, it kind of, like, famously, like, it has lore, but it's, like, kind of ignored. Um, and there's also this kind of aspect where, like, the game has more fans than people who play it because there are people who care about the lore, but don't care about the game, if that makes sense, right? Because, like, I think there is something to the idea that, like, you're better served by kind of picking one and going with it, right? Like, you, you picking either lore or gameplay and making that a, and making that your focus. And, like, I think the other one is going to suffer a little bit, right? Like, Street Fighter, right? Street Fighter has lore. Most of it's kind of silly. No one really cares because it's more about, like, the actual fighting, the characters fighting each other. Um, and I don't think, like, I don't think Capcom actively, like, destroying that lore makes the game any better. But I think that they know that, like, the fact that, like, the the fact the gameplay comes first and the lore kind of, like, pushes itself out around that is fine. Um, uh, 
on the other side of this, right? Like if you like uh, Blizzard coming out with Overwatch 2, right, makes a bit of sense to me because clearly the lore is the bigger draw for Overwatch and no one cares that much about the competitive game. And that's an over-exaggeration, but Overwatch and the Overwatch League is not nearly as possible or nearly as popular as I think Blizzard wanted it to be. Like I think they wanted it to be this uh, esports behemoth, but it's not. It's mostly popular because of its characters and its lore. And so, like, you know what Overwatch 2 being PvE. Uh, about that, actually? So, the hot take I saw is that the Overwatch League did okay, but, like, not amazing. Which is why Overwatch 2 is bringing in that PvE mode that is telling that story. Because they're kind of, they're, right. they're kind of like, you know what? We're not going to be, whatever, like, League of Legends with this. Uh, let's make sure that we, like, cater to the lore friendly people of which you know li- honestly that, that's I my said, point though right yeah, yeah. overwatch 2 was my favorite thing at blizzcon right so they're kind of talking to me when it comes to that um, right and so yeah fair enough i really no. want to disagree with monty but like when you think about it like it does kind of make sense like i think you can go either way right like csgo does not really have lore, right? Like, it has, like, real-world lore. It's like, there are terrorists, and they they are holding hostages, or they want to uh. bomb somewhere, and there are counter-terrorists that want to stop the terrorists from doing that thing. Uh. Um, and, like, you know, but it's all about the gameplay, right? Like, it's one of the more popular esports, and people watch it. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, Yeah, you know. I mean, the counter-argument to me a little bit is that I think people do kind of get into it, at least on, like, an aesthetic level. It's... Like, you know, like, football or baseball are, are like, still football or baseball, but, like, they still have branding, you know, and, like, mascots and stuff like that. And so that's not necessarily, like, lore. But it's, like, if Hearthstone was a game full of that, – that just mechanically played all of the things, it was, like, card number one, card number two, card number three – and they all were they it was class one, class two, class three, right? You strip all the lore, all of the flavor out of it, right? Would people still be into that game as much? And my answer would obviously be like, no, right? Um so, but, so, but like I do uh, sort of agree that I don't know. It's 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 really So, so I'm gonna agree with you, but that's because Hearthstone isn't as competitive, right? Baseball, football sports absolutely have lore. The lore is all around the players. And the teams, right? Like, you know, like legendary games, legendary coaches, legendary players, right? You can have that in a competitive game. You could you could theoretically have that in Overwatch. I think you start you, – you get that in like fighting games and in, and in uh, other esports. But it's the same thing there. It's not about the actual game. It's about the players and the plays and the things that happen. Right? I don't know. Like, that, see, that feels like it's layered on top of it. You know what I mean? But, but, the, but that like, – that's the, 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 the sports comparison, right? Like – um, okay. like the thing people, like a thing that like a lot of people know about, like say street fighter, even outside of the people that normally do is, is the Evo moment, right? Where, um, where, uh, I, I, I can't remember the player's name. Uh, it's just escaping me now, but he, the, the perfect parry, right? Like the perfect parry on the, on the Chun-Li super in, in, in street fighter three. A lot of people know about that. A lot of people know about that and don't even know what they're watching when they see it. They just see everybody getting hype. Sure. Right, like that's a legendary moment. No one cares about Chun Li's backstory or about I think it's uh, Ryu's backstory. You know, we have. I don't think we've ever done this podcast episode, but that's kind of the basis of my thing that like all games have story. I mean, we'll talk about that. I'm sure. Like, sure. We don't have to get here in the last five seconds of of our pod, but I do agree with you. I do think people crave story. They crave narrative and storytelling. Um, but sure. I just but... think I think that Hearthstone w- 
with flavor, with card art, with all these other sorts of things, definitely like attracts people to the competitive side of the game. Although it's the same, you know, honestly. Sure, sure, but it, it, I, th- I think it's because Hearthstone is a harder thing to tell stories about the players with, right? And tell stories about the the actual skill in the game because it's not like a particularly um, dexterous game, right? Like, I, I, like it doesn't have a lot of like uh, skill and dexterity. Um, whereas, I don't, you do, well, I, see, I don't agree with that because I think that there are really good stories to be played to be told about Hearthstone, right? Like the game ending 2019 World Championship. I like I explained that on the pod and how that was like a super crazy, you know, sure. like oh, which no, is no, exactly I, what, the, what we're talking about. I, and I'm, I'm not saying that those stories aren't aren't there. I'm saying that they're not as compelling or as numerous as they are in kind of like a uh, in as they are in like say a League of Legends, right? Like there's um, the the freaking Brazilian team winning the game to like send C nine um, out of pools. There's, um, I think it was like TSM playing a Teemo and getting like an early game kill by like by like you know stealthing in the bushes. Um, and you know those stories exist in the other in 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 Hearthstone, but I don't think they're as numerous. And that's part and part of that is because um, some of these stories are told around like you know, skill and manipulation, and there's no skill and manipulation in, in Hearthstone. Um, See, I, I, don't also, think it, I, I think it's because, well, I think it's just because Hearthstone has a much lower profile, right? Like, that we might have be heard these stories uh, because, you know, we, we like, we've heard these stories and we understand these stories because we were closer to League of Legends esports than Hearthstone esports. Like even now, like I'm close to Hearthstone esports, but like not that close, right? Like mostly I follow sort of like streamers. Um, but uh, but like in a certain sort of sense, I I think it's kind of like would Magic be better if like you kind of I think there's just something there's some magic to it, right? To the color pie, like the color wheel, and sure. that's all lore. But I think the intuitive sort of, like, gameplay stuff that comes from it is, like, really powerful. And that's kind of – if there is a counterargument to Monty's point, which, again, I it is – I get it. And I think that he is right in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's that, right? That you can sort of miss out on that specific uh, – like, that specific thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – I, I think I, uh, I I think we should maybe do an episode on this because I, I, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, there's sure. I, I think this is kind of like splits along the sports art dichotomy that we sometimes talk about. But mm-hmm. we're way over. Um, I definitely think we should do an episode on that, but we'll handle that at some later date. Um, uh, if you want to talk to us about any of these topics, about Breaking Bad, any of the things we talked about, you can email us at podcasts at subversiveplaygames.com or subversiveplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subversiveplaygames. You can uh, donate to us at patreon.com slash nerdsplaygames. Uh, I think that's everything I had, but do you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.